I want to welcome everyone who has joined for inquiry today. I'm Joel Barna. Uh, I'm a member of the Austin uh, Appamata Sangha, although I'm living in Albuquerque now and connecting via via Zoom. And uh, Flint was uh, had had made some dates available to some of the entrusted teachers uh, to uh, sit in for him on certain days. So I, I get to do it today. I'm very excited and very happy about the opportunity. Um, and Maria, if if you would, if people um, continue to enter, uh, even after we start sitting, if you would just go ahead and let them in, that would be great. So um, let's start with about 10 minutes of sitting. And uh, I ask you to sit upright and square your shoulders and align your shoulders with your hips and, and do all those all the things that that um, Dogen recommends for entering into the ceremony of Zazen, for, for connecting with the entire universe with your bodily posture.
Please join me in saying the robe chant. We'll just say it one time. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction. Wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. <clears throat> well, it is a, a great delight to be uh, joining you today. I see some new faces that of, of folks that I don't think I've had a chance to talk with before, and many, many friends whom uh, I've not had a chance to talk with in a very long time, and 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 some whom I'm lucky to have talked with pretty recently. So this is great, and and uh, it's an honor. So I want to say uh, I, I'm going to just uh, give a little bit of a, a story for a frame, and then I want to re read a poem. Uh, that will take about five or six minutes to read. So uh, I invite you to relax and, and put your feet up metaphorically uh, for a bit. Uh, and then uh, we can open for uh, questions and, and uh, responses. Uh, I, I want to say that uh, early in May, I went to Oregon. I, I flew up to Portland and stayed for 10 days at Dharma Rain Zen Center uh, in Portland, uh, taking part in the uh, Emerging Sangha Leadership Training. This is the second time that they've offered it. The first time was three years ago, and it was interrupted by the pandemic. And um, it's a fantastic program. It's led by the abbot there at Dharma Rain, Dharma Rain, pardon me, whose, whose name is Kakumyo uh, Lo Chardet. Uh, he goes by K. Uh, to a lot of people, since that's a lot for some people to say, and also by uh, Sally Tisdale, whom you may know as a, as an author. Um, and it, there were fantastic programs that were we covered uh, sangha structure and group dynamics and communication and giving feedback and having dialogue and fundraising and all sorts of subjects over the ten days, and. Um, that was all very rewarding. Uh, and, and then we ended up doing some fun things uh, that, that came at the end. And I, I wanna say that, that the thing that, I, that, that most impressed me, that, that, that seemed most important to me in the, in the program, well, two things. One, that I was very grateful to Peg and Flint and to all the members of our Sangha who have worked so hard to create the council structure and this kind of flexible, um, responsive structure for meeting change at Appamata, that uh, work that's been going on for several years. Uh, and uh, I got to talk with other people, some people in other sanghas who are, are facing transitions and who do not have that sort of um, groundwork behind them uh, and who are, are facing making some, some difficult changes, in some cases pretty much on their own right now. So I'm, I'm grateful, again, for all this work that, is, that has happened and that is ongoing. Uh, and, um, and the other thing was the fun part at the end. Uh, it, it made a real impression on me that uh, uh, I, who normally think of everything as a big problem, could actually take part in fun 
around the presentation of the Dharma. So we did things on the last day, uh, including uh, we had our, our goal was to, in small groups, come up with a way to present uh, concepts related to the Dharma, but not in a not in a talk. It could be artwork. It could be a skit, so on. I was with two very inventive people who came up with the idea of just doing Pictionary uh, to uh, call out phrases from the um, um, Jewel Mirror Samadhi, a, a, a text that we had been chanting every day. <coughs> and, so, and that was on pretty much on everybody's minds. That was a lot of fun, a lot of laughter around that. and. Uh, and then other people presented skits and it, it kind of reminded me, my wife is Jewish. And so I've heard of the, the Feast of Purim uh, among uh, Jewish people in which uh, it, people will deliberately um, violate the normal strictures of, of life and uh, in, a, in a fun way. And, and uh, um, this was like that. There were several skits, one a great one. Uh, presented by Suzanne, in which uh, she um, questioned the use of Dharma names and and uh, uh, was met with very earnest and very sincere explanation of why it was um, uh, a good thing to use Dharma names. And she just utterly resisted. And, and it, it was very, very funny. Uh, so there was that. And then finally, there was a little quiz on Buddhist-related topics uh, presented by Sally Tisdale. And Suzanne and I, curiously, out of 14 people, ended up as the two finalists. Other people had been uh, eliminated in this kind of survival game. Two answers wrong and you're kicked out. And we ended up uh, the last two. And um, I actually won. I won a box of Minion uh, Band-Aids uh, as the grand prize. And um, it was because I correctly guessed, or, or more correctly guessed, the percentage of Buddhists uh, among adherents of the world's religions these days. Uh, and if anybody's curious, I can come back to that later. But fun. While I was there, uh, I was actually sleeping in the, the Zen Center's library, which is in a temporary building. Um, <coughs> And, um, you know, I would just pick books off the shelves and flip through them and uh, put them back carefully as, as, as much in order as I could. Um, but I ran across a poem that was a book that was published in the early 1990s, which seems to be out of print now. I haven't been able to find it. It's called Buddha Gaya, and it's a collection of writings about uh, Buddhism and ecology. And uh, the, it opens with a poem by Rick Fields. And Rick Fields, uh, you may remember, is the author of the wonderful book, How the Swans Came to the Lake, uh, a, a kind of history of Buddhism in America, and many other books of poems and many other books. He was the founding editor of what became the Shambhala Sun magazine and one of the founders of Tricycle magazine and, and just enormously influential and and. Uh, connected throughout the Buddhist world uh, up until the time of his death about, um, well, uh, in, the, in the late 1990s. So um, in the spirit of fun, here's Rick Field's poem, uh, which I hope you will enjoy. And again, 
This is going to take about five minutes to read. The very short sutra on the meeting of the Buddha and the goddess. Thus I have made up. Once the Buddha was walking along the forest path in the oak grove at Ojai, walking without arriving anywhere or having any thought of arriving or not arriving. The lotuses shining with the morning dew miraculously appeared under every step, soft as silk beneath the toes of the Buddha. When suddenly, out of the turquoise sky, dancing in front of his half-shut, inward-looking eyes, shimmering like a rainbow or a spider's web, transparent as the dew on a lotus flower, the goddess appeared, quivering like a hummingbird in the air before him. She, or she was surely a she, as the Buddha could clearly see with his eye of discriminating awareness wisdom, was mostly red in color, though when the light shifted, she flashed like a rainbow. She was naked, except for the usual flower ornaments goddesses wear. Her long hair was deep blue, her two eyes fathomless pits of space, and her third eye a bloodshot ring of fire. The Buddha folded his hands together and greeted the goddess thus, O oh goddess, why are you blocking my path? Before I saw you, I was happily going nowhere. Now I'm not sure where to go. You can go around me, said the goddess, twirling on her heels like a bird darting away, but just a little way away. Or you can come after me. This is my forest too. You can't pretend I'm not here. With that, the Buddha sat, supple as a snake, solid as a rock, beneath a bow tree that sprang full-leaved to shade him. Perhaps we should have a chat, he said. After years of arduous practice at the time of the morning star, I penetrated reality and now, not so fast, Buddha, I am reality. The earth stood still, the oceans paused, the wind itself listened. A thousand arhats, bodhisattvas, and dakinis magically appeared to hear what would happen in the conversation. I know I take my life in my hands, said the Buddha, but I am known as the fearless one, so here goes. And he and the goddess, without further words, exchanged glances. Light rays like sunbeams shot forth so bright that even Shariputra, the all-seeing one, had to turn away. And then they exchanged thoughts, and the illumination was as bright as a diamond candle. And then they exchanged minds, and there was a great silence as vast as the universe that contains everything. And then they exchanged bodies and clothes. And the Buddha arose as the goddess, and the goddess arose as the Buddha, and so on back and forth for a hundred thousand, hundred thousand kalpas. If you meet the Buddha, you meet the goddess. If you meet the goddess, you meet the Buddha. Not only that, this, the Buddha is the goddess, and the, goda, and the goddess is the Buddha. And not only that, this, the Buddha is emptiness, the goddess is bliss, the goddess is emptiness, the Buddha is bliss. And that is what and what not you are. It's true. So here comes the mantra of the goddess and the Buddha, the unsurpassed non-dual mantra. Just to say this mantra, just to hear this mantra once, just to hear one word of this mantra once makes everything the way it truly is. Okay, so here it is. Earthwalker, 
Skywalker, Hey Silent One, Hey Great Talker. Not two, not one, not separate, not apart. This is the heart. Bliss is emptiness, emptiness is bliss. Be your breath, ah. Smile, hey, and relax, ho. And remember this, you can't miss. I would welcome the chance to talk with anyone who wishes to come forward. Absolutely delightful, Joel, and so good to see you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for being you. here today. Um, I haven't been with Appomattox long or with the practice long, but one of the things early on that, that concerned me was that there wasn't much laughter. Every once in a while an inquiry and so on, but it's like it, there isn't the practice of laughter, the practice of, of, of looking at how both wondrous and ridiculous our, our ways of exploring and our ways of living. And, and I even feel quite strongly that when things are very hard, there's still lots to laugh at and with, and many people to laugh with. So I just, I'm just delighted by it. And, and yes, I'd be really interested in the opportunity if you might offer it sometime to share some of the kinds of activities and so on that you were talking about. Because I think that, that when, you, when you intentionally place it there and experience the laughter and, and depth, I've long felt that when we, when we laugh, our minds are more open in a different way than they are when we're just trying to be aware, period, or trying to learn something or whatever. I really feel that our, that our minds are open to laughter when it is non-harming laughter. So much of it in our society is based on hurtfulness and and ridiculing a person for something that they just are and and so I just really would appreciate the um, the opportunity to work with a teacher or you know someone who's really thought about it a little at least to explore um, what comes for us of the Dharma when we're laughing together with it. That's a, thank you so much, Becky. And, and again, it's wonderful to, to see you face to face and to, and to talk with you. Um, I, I'm just thinking, you know, that, that laughter seems to be a communal activity, that it is, that even alone, that when we are laughing, we are we are laughing because we are connecting with memories or connecting with the possibility of connecting with other people. And as you say, there's there's much in laughter as in much of human nature, which is based on 
establishing differences and, and treating people as outsiders and mocking them as outsiders and, and that kind of thing. But it's not always that way. It's also um, an expression of sympathetic joy, of expression of, of delight, of discovery and, and, and those things that bubble up out of our nervous systems. And we do this strange kind of barking. I, I once read uh, uh, an essay about laughter by, uh, darn, I'm blanking on his name, but an early 20th century French philosopher. Uh, I was actually taking a film course at the time, and we watched a lot of silent films, you know, Charlie Chaplin and Buster Keaton and that sort of thing. And we're reflecting on what it was like to laugh with people in a, in, in a movie theater, uh, in a silent film where nobody was supplying us a laugh track or anything like that. Um, and, and those films had both aspects of, of what you're describing, the exclusion and the inclusion and the, and the, the, how those impact our humanity, you know? So I, I, I want to follow up on what you're, on what you're saying and, and actually make a talk sometime that will depend on activities where people have the opportunity to explore these, these things. I'll be there. Okay. That's great. I know you'll be there. <laughs> You're there a lot. So, um, does that feel complete? Or yes, you... thank you. Okay. Thank you, Becky. Hi, Penelope. Um, okay, now it's right. I, I wanted to... Uh... Thank you so much for presenting that beautiful prose poem and just talk about the value of storytelling in our Dharma, you know, our practice of learning the Dharma and uh, how important it is because that was so beautiful the way he described the goddess and, you know, you could just, it when you have a great story told, it involves all the senses. And so we can totally enter our whole being into the story, not just, you know, as we listen, we're always bombarded by the news and that just activates some kind of anxiety mechanism in all of us. And it's not the full story. And it's a very, I, I don't know, I'm just, there's such a difference and that sort of storytelling or narrative that we have going in our background all in our culture today. And then the time it takes where Buddha could sit down and say, all right, let's have a conversation. And then the transformation and the whole transference. And it, it almost made me think about, I was raised as a Catholic and there were parts of that story that made me think of transubstantiation, you know, where the host mm. Jesus. And I mean, there, that just was a thought that arose to me, but it was a beautiful story because it got you totally engaged. That's just what I'm, thank you for that. Uh, and, and thank you, Penelope. That's, I, I, I totally agree. The, um, uh, I, I see that Jay has put a link to the poem. Uh, uh, at a site online. I was looking for it online and I found several, I, well, I found a couple of versions that included everything but the mantra at the end. Uh, and, you know, a big truncation if that was left off. Um, but uh, I, if 
if anybody wants to follow up, uh, Jay has put uh, a link to the poem in chat. I saw, I saw that flash by. I want to say also that there is a way in which we respond to rhyme and to assonance and to alliteration and these other these other things that are within poetry that that move us in ways that are that that, that even the story does not you know and that those are all going on in in this poem in a very beautiful way uh it, it seems like very very simple language but in fact it's very careful obviously very carefully crafted uh, with those with those tropes and those those means uh, to to let the story get even further inside than it might otherwise you know so I really appreciate that um, does that feel complete to you or will you would you have further comments or questions well the good news is it's never complete <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Ongoing interest. <laughs> Good. Thanks. Thank we have Jay next. Oh, you Hi, have Jay. to put. Um, would you like to put your camera on, Jay, so that I can? Ah. I'll just take you off again and then do it again. There we go. Gotcha. <laughs> All right. Hi, guys. Um, I'm back in the office, so, and the reception here keeps going in and out, you know, so I don't know how well my sound is going to come through. But um, thank you, jo Joel, for that poem, because, or prose, ode, uh, however you want to name it, it is, um, for me, very uh, deep, and there's a lot, I don't know, the way I'm interacting with it, it's like, you know, when... Uh, <laughs> the Buddha is walking and then for me, the appearance of the goddess, like unexpectedly is that the aha moments that we get, you know, as we do our practice and the sudden enlightenment and um, actually the part where <laughs> he says, um, what do I do now? You know, it's like, and actually during one of our Saturday, I think it was women in Zen. I was like, once you get enlightenment, what happens then? You know what I mean? Like what happened to me that it speaks to that for me, um, you know, him asking like, what now? Right. And then um, the, the, the exchange of clothes and everything. It's like, it's the, what actually the beginning when we said the robe, right. It's like when you close your eyes and you realize that, um, the unification of everything. We are everything already, you know? And so we're the ocean. Uh, it's like the wave is the ocean and the ocean is the wave and it's all already, right? So is that, so, oh my gosh, that, it, it, it's so many things in it for me. It's so rich. And um, I, I, I'm happy that I found it <laughs> because I really want to go through it again, like really experience it. Um, more uh slowly you know like um more intimately so thank you so much thank you jay thanks for yeah. thanks for all you do for our sangha you the the groups you participate in and enliven oh, and and the and and everything that you bring it's it's so delightful and and thank you thank you so in keeping with the spirit of this poem i would say um, <laughs> yeah. i mean i i, I 
you know, here's the Buddha, the fearless one, the enlightened one. And his first reaction is, why are you blocking my path? And then he has a minute and he says, okay, wait, I get to start over. And, yeah. and, and can, can meet the goddess where she is and, and know that they are together. And yes, yes. Thank you. Thank, thank you. I'm Rosemarie. Hello, Joe. Thank you so much for that. Um, I, this is going to echo some of the other comments, but I, I like Jay, I love the exchange um, between the two, the clothing. And um, speaking of fun, the Beatles song came to me. I am he and you are me. I forget oh. how it goes, but some of you may remember it. It's this, and we are all together. It's just a that came to me as something fun. And um, what Becky said about laughter, um, I'm, I'm right there. And as I've said to you before, the koans to me are very hilarious sometimes, these these setups that they, that they do. And um, it had come to me, these would be wonderful little skits. And, you know, um, uh, Peg has set up these, the idea of these studios, which would be an, a wonderful, um, um, way uh vehicle for this kind of exploration of some of the dharma through some creative performance um um uh activities so it's something that i've been thinking about um whether it's acting or dance or, or song mm -hmm. um, that could bring out a lot of fun and laughter so anyway mm -hmm. just some some thoughts so thank thank you for this lovely lovely piece thank you Hi, Bridget. Welcome. It's good to see you. Well, I'm thrilled that you've had that time in Oregon. I've only been to that state on on two occasions, but both times were quite magnificent. It's such a remarkable place from a physical mm. beauty standpoint. Right. And when you read this, I just felt this welling sense of delight. Somewhere along the line, probably when I lived in Alaska, I, I worked with these uh, gentleman down in the basement of a one of the mid-rise buildings in Fairbanks called the Northward Building, and we finished some project and it got out and it was within the, you know, the client's budget. So he, one of the men, said, "My blissometer has just gone off the scale." <laughs> I'd never heard of a blissometer. <laughs> I decided to adapt that as one of my um, my metrics in my life and. Um, that poem hearing you read it was so uh, a catalyst for a moment of blissometer elevation mm -hmm. so thank you very much um, thank you i do want to go back and read it so i'm grateful to jay for sending us the link no no kidding no kidding so i was actually reading from a poem or from a version that i printed out from photographs i made from the book and then i like i say i tried to find a copy of the book to to honor the the author the, the People who published it and the authors and so on by purchasing it, but it appears to be out of print. So I'll, I'll keep searching. But uh, thank you, Jay, again for for, for posting that. 
Uh, I, I want to say something too about uh, to, to connect with what Bridges is saying is that you know there are many uh, there are many times in in intensives or workshops or or talks Peg and Flint have offered that it's important to connect to the positive emotions in our lives you know that our brains are such that, that uh, bad experiences and 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 uh, uh, anxious thoughts find you know they stick like velcro and the other things can kind of slide away and that is as rick hansen author of buddha's brain suggests it's very important when you're having a positive experience to do something that can let it register in your body not just let it be a thought that flits through and then you you go on to the next worry so if like me you are uh, still have a residue of the of the joyousness joyousness and and fun uh, and uh, the, the kind of bubbly feeling that comes from that poem uh, I would invite you to do what I'm doing and just put your hand over your heart for a minute and let that feeling sink down from wherever it's originating or spread out from wherever it's originating into your whole body down to your fingertips down to the tips of your toes, through your torso and up to the top of your head. And just let that settle in for a minute. Thank you. So I'm not seeing any other hands raised at this time. Um, I would be happy to read the poem one more time before we close, if that would be okay. Anybody, if, if anybody opposes the idea, uh, turn your thumbs down now. <laughs> I'm not seeing it. Okay, so I'm gonna read the poem again. The Very Short Sutra on the Meeting of the Buddha and the Goddess by Rick Fields. Thus I made up. Once the Buddha was walking along the forest path in the oak grove at Ojai, walking without arriving anywhere or having any thought of arriving or not arriving. And lotuses, shining with the morning dew, miraculously appeared under every step, soft as silk beneath the toes of the Buddha. When suddenly, out of the turquoise sky, dancing in front of his half-shut, inward-looking eyes, shimmering like a rainbow or a spider's web, transparent as the dew on a lotus flower, the goddess appeared, quivering, like a hummingbird in the air before him. She was, or she, she for she was surely a she, as the Buddha could clearly see with his eye of discriminating awareness wisdom, was mostly red in color, though when the light shifted, she flashed like a rainbow. She was naked, except for the usual flower ornaments goddesses wear. Her long hair was deep blue, her two eyes fathomless pits of space, and her third eye a bloodshot ring of fire. The Buddha folded his hands together and greeted the goddess thus, O oh goddess, why are you blocking my path? Before I saw you, I was happily going nowhere. Now. I am not sure where to go 
You can go around me, said the goddess, twirling on her heels like a bird darting away, but just a little way away. Or you can come after me, for this is my forest too, You can and you cannot pretend I'm not here. With that, the Buddha sat supple as a snake, solid as a rock, beneath a bow tree that sprang fully leaved to shade him. Perhaps we should have a chat, he said. After years of arduous practice, at the time of the morning star, I penetrated reality and now, not so fast, Buddha, I am reality. The earth stood still, the oceans paused, the wind itself listened, a thousand arhats, bodhisattvas and dakinis magically appeared to hear what would happen in the conversation. I know I take my life in my hands, said the Buddha, but I am known as the fearless one, so here goes. And he and the goddess, without further words, exchanged glances. Light rays like sunbeams shot forth so bright that even Shariputra, the all-seeing one, had to turn away. And then they exchanged thoughts, and the illumination was as bright as a diamond candle. And they exchanged mind. And there was a great silence as vast as the universe that contains everything. And then they exchanged bodies and clothes. And the Buddha arose as the goddess, and the goddess arose as the Buddha, and so on, back and forth, for a hundred thousand, hundred thousand kapas. If you meet the Buddha, you meet the goddess. If you meet the goddess, you meet the Buddha. Not only that, this. The Buddha is the goddess. The goddess is the Buddha. Not only that, this. The Buddha is emptiness. The goddess is bliss. The goddess is emptiness. The Buddha is bliss. And that is what and what not you are. It's true. So here comes the mantra of the goddess and the Buddha the unsurpassed non-dual mantra. Just to say this mantra, just to hear this mantra once, just to hear one word of this mantra once, makes everything the way it truly is. Okay. So here it is. Earthwalker, Skywalker. Hey, silent one. Hey, great talker. Not two, not one. Not separate, not apart. This is the heart. Bliss is emptiness, emptiness is bliss. Be your breath, ah. Smile, hey, and relax, ho. And remember this, you can't miss. So, um, Maria, we have a, a chant that we say together toward the end. And we, we'll, let's go ahead and do that and then close a little early today okay and we do have jay with a hand up i don't know if you want to take oh. that before oh i'm so sorry jay i didn't see that please um there we go um i i hope it's okay i just wanted to share like three lines from a um, poem that came to mind when um, the Buddha and goddess let go of words in order to communicate, right? And um, the little excerpt said, says, I had this dream that we somehow evolved without vocal cords 
And the only way we could talk to each other was by touching our own um, or each other's skin. And an entire books were written entirely in hugs and hand-holding and letting go of each other. And we'd hold and touch and let go of each other in all these different ways to say all these different things. And I just like, it just made me um, think how, like, how deep our emotions are and it transcends words. And we try to express everything we feel in the um, finite compression of words. And yet it, the, um, the un, the, the the things that cannot really be expressed by words and you know the buddha and the goddess said it like you have to let go of those things to get the deeper um communication and expression so yeah thank you thank you so true you got it So Maria, help me. What should I do next? And um, we could do caught in the the four practice principles and then the echo. Okay, very good. And is it possible for you to screen share those? I could. I could. Thank you. <clears throat> see where the. Um, so. There we go. Oh no. So it's the four practice principles three times, and then we'll do the echo. Is that okay? Very good. And I and I will ring the bell. Okay. Would you like me to say it, Joel? Oh, sorry, if you are screen sharing, I'm not seeing it. But I. All right. I... Sorry. Hang on a moment. Hang on a moment. Let's have a look. See if I can. I'll just get it up. Sorry about this. I won't be one moment. There we go. There we go. Okay, so we will say the four practice principles three times. I'll ring a bell at the end of the first two times and two bells at the end of the third one. And then Maria will switch to our echo that we will say together. Caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering. Holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher. Being just this moment, compassion's way. Caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering, holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher, being just this moment, compassion's way. Caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering, holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher, being just this moment, compassion's way.
So uh, we will read together the, the echo that is the first one uh, uh, where it says echo daily. We offer the merit of our practice for the welfare of all beings everywhere. May all be relieved of suffering, free from fear, longing, aversion, and ignorance. And may we together with all beings realize the awakened way. My deep thanks to everyone who participated and, and joined us today. And Maria, you have an announcement at this time, right? I do. I do, Jill. Hello, everybody. Thank you so much, Joel. That was wonderful. Um, and uh, thank you, everybody, for being here and for showing up today. And uh, if you'd like to make a contribution to Appamada, then please do go to the website at appamada.org forward slash contribute and there you'll see an opportunity to offer Diana to teachers such as Joel and Flint and Todd and Laurie as well as to other events and you can also make a one-time contribution to Appamada or you can sign up for regular contributions so thank you all so much and if you'd like to continue to meet and share then please do stay right where you are and we'll meet for a further 30 minutes on the virtual porch. Please do come and join me if you wish to. Thank you so much. <laughs>